Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, this is definitely unprecedented times. Uh, this is something new for all of us, but we've had a wonderful time uh, getting this service together for you and bringing it to you. We are sad that you're not here in the seats with us this morning. This is probably the smallest crowd I've ever preached to at City of Hope Church. We got a handful right here in front of us, but man, it's a pleasure uh, to be in your living room or wherever it is that you're watching us this morning. Uh, we're glad to be with you. I feel like I really, I really have a word uh, from the Lord for the time that we are dealing with specifically. And before I get into my message, I want to talk to you this morning about uh, renewal in dark times. That's, that's the word that the Lord has given me and I want to speak into. Uh, but before we begin, I want to talk uh, specifically about prayer just for a moment and how important it is during these times. Now, obviously, we've got to continue to pray for one another, uphold one another and encourage one another during this season because this is challenging. It's difficult for everybody. But I think God is doing something where he is he's actually calling upon the church to move into a, a greater dimension with him, a greater realm with him. And one of the things that we've got to do during this time is we have got to pray. We've got to spend time focusing on the Lord and, and, and praying for what's going on in these situations. I was reading uh, in Scripture, it's kind of a strange story, but in Numbers, uh, Numbers chapter 16, there's a story about how uh, the people of Israel are actually rebelling against God. They're rebelling against Moses, their leader. Uh, they're rebelling against Aaron and, and their spiritual leadership. And it says that because of their rebellion against God, a plague breaks out among the people. Now, we're, we're dealing with a plague in our land, obviously, and, and that's something that we're dealing with. And somebody would say, well, has God uh, sent this plague? And, and I don't know that that's the question to ask. If you were to ask me, I don't like to stand on behalf of God, but a new covenant understanding, we would see that, that God has sent Jesus Christ to destroy the works of darkness. He came to heal sickness and disease, not to bring it on people. He came to raise the dead, not bring death. He came to bring life, even though the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So that is the new covenant understanding of God that we have. But we have to understand that Jesus, when he speaks about these things, when we talk about a plague breaking out among the people in the Old Testament, Jesus said it like this. When he came and he saw Jerusalem before he was going to the cross, it says that he looked at Jerusalem and he began to weep. And as he wept, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I longed to gather you under my arms as, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. In other words, Jesus was saying, I want to gather you in this place of protection. I want to be able to hold you. But he says, but you were not willing. And he actually went on to prophesy about the destruction that would come to Jerusalem after his death in 70 AD. And the point was, is that Jesus wanted to give them protection. He wanted them to confess him as Lord. He wanted them to come up under that divine protection, up under his grace, up under his mercy. He wanted all of that for them, but they were not willing. And the truth is, we live in a time and in a world that at large, nobody really likes to hear it anymore, but at large, the world has rejected God. And even in our nation, there's so many many good Christian people in our nation that are praying, that are interceding. And I believe during this time, Christian people are coming together to seek the Lord. But we also have to understand that by and large, our nation is not focused on God. We have been focused on, on money. We have been focused on entertainment. We've been focused on so many things other than God. And, and it's in times like these that honestly, we begin to recognize our deep need for God. But we have shed innocent blood in our nation. We have, uh, we've, we've mocked God's standard of sexual there's a lot of things that we have to consider that we have turned from God in and it makes us vulnerable to the demonic. It makes us vulnerable to the fallen world. Let me tell you something this morning. God loves you. God loves all of the people in the world regardless of what kind of sin they're in and he wants to protect them but sometimes 
the only thing that, can, that God can do in certain situations when we're not willing to follow Him is to say, okay, you're not willing. I understand that. I have to lift my hand for a moment, and that's going to make you vulnerable to certain things. And I believe across the world, this is, this is kind of a wake-up call because we've become vulnerable. But what I love about that story is that the plague broke out among the people, and when the plague broke out, Aaron, who is a type of Christ, he's the high priest, he goes and the scripture says that he stands between the dead and the living and he takes a, a, an incense and he burns incense, which is representative of, of, of prayer. And as he burns incense, standing between the dead and the living, he risks his own life to stand right beside that plague between the dead and the living. And as he burns incense, it says the plague stopped. And I want you to understand that Jesus Christ has done the same for you and I. Jesus Christ stood between the dead and the living and he became our intercessor and he stood between that plague of sin that was coming after us to destroy us and infect our lives and he stopped it because he stood in the gap for us. Now on the same token, Jesus is calling his church, his body into a position where we begin to pray for people like never before and we stand in the gap between the dead and the living. I believe right now that God is, is, is doing something because we had uh, our, our, our keyboardist here this morning, Loretta, she, she shared with us a story about, about how her son came to her the other day in her house and, 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 and was ready to give his life to the Lord. It happened in her home. God is doing something in our homes. But not only that, I had just before we started here earlier, uh, a young man, a great young man. He's a wonderful person. I, I met him for the first time, but he came in. He needed somebody to talk with. He said the Lord had been dealing with his heart and just everything that has happened. It's almost like something was awakened in him and he realized, man, he just there was no hope without Jesus. And when we prayed together and he gave his life to Jesus just hours ago. So so the point is, is that even in the midst of this craziness, God is up to something. God's doing something good. But I'm telling you, it, what, a lot of what God wants to do is going to be dependent upon how we pray and how we intercede as a church. So I want us, if you will, right there in your living room, God's going to start to invade your home with prayer and you need to be open to that. But, but I want us to just bow our heads for a minute, if we can, if we can just, just all pray together for, for, for some things this morning and pray for our leaders and our healthcare workers and just for this, for this sickness that's spreading throughout our land. But Father, right now, we just come to you in Jesus' name and Lord God, in our, in our homes this morning, we invite your presence, Lord. We invite your spirit into our homes. And Lord, we pray that in our families and among our, our, our homes right now, God, that you would just invade that place. And Lord Jesus, that there would be encounters that are released into our homes, that, that you would begin to make our homes a dwelling place for you, O oh God. And Lord, that we would experience you like we never have before and you'd give us a heart to seek you. And Lord, during this time, we lift up our leaders, our government leaders that are making difficult decisions. We lift up our health care workers, Lord, that are literally standing in the gap every day between, between this plague and the people, Lord Jesus. And so we lift them up. We pray for comfort. We pray for protection. We pray for strength, Lord, and wisdom moving forward. And God, we pray that you would bring an end to this virus in Jesus' name. Lord, we don't believe that this virus was sent by you, but God, we know that you can take situations like this and turn everything for good. And what the enemy means for evil, God, you turn for good, and we believe you're turning it for good in this situation. But we pray you bring an end to this virus. Lord, you release vaccines and wisdom uh, to those that, that, that God are, 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 are the scientists that are studying this thing and trying to figure that out. We release wisdom for those. But God, I pray that you would do just like you did with this young man earlier, that you would start to turn hearts and souls to you, 
God. We repent as a people and as a nation of our sin, God, where we've not followed you before. And Lord, we ask you to have mercy on our nation, have mercy on the globe, God, and extend your grace once again. Extend your love once again so that people can understand that this world is passing away and everything that is in it, Lord Jesus. But what we really need to look to in this time is you. And so, Lord, I believe you've given us a word this morning. Pray you open our hearts, you open our minds to hear what you are saying to us in this time. And it's in Jesus' name we pray that. Amen. Amen. So, you know, it's important in this time that we realize that this situation that, that we're dealing with, it's not taking God by surprise. He, he, he knew this was going to happen and he still has a plan and his plans are good. What I want to speak to you specifically, as I said before, is renewal in times of darkness. Because here's the thing, if you read in Scripture long enough through the Old Testament and even through the New, what you're going to find out is God is not necessarily opposed to challenging times in your life. He, he's not all the time interested in, in, in your perfect peace or your perfect comfort. He gives a peace in the midst of darkness, in the midst of difficulties. And what I, what I believe God wants to do specifically for his church and for his people, if they will allow him to do it, is to bring renewal in, the, in these times of darkness. And I believe that is what he is going to do. He uses challenging situations for greater glory. Paul said, I reckon that the, that the present sufferings that we're going through are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. And I believe that right here in the midst of this darkness that God is going to bring renewal to his people and he's going to cause us to get our eyes on what he is doing in this season. Now, the first thing that I, if you're taking notes, the first thing that I would want you to write down, and this is what I believe the Lord is speaking to us right now, is during this season, during this time of darkness and confusion and chaos, God wants to invade your home, number one. God wants to invade your home. One of the things that we've actually said here recently in a couple of meetings that we've had is in the, over the past year is that if our walk with Jesus and our spirituality is not happening at home, then it's not happening. Ultimately, it's not about us coming to church every Sunday and just hearing a good message. If what we're doing as a body of Christ does not bleed over into our homes and transform our home life and our families, then it's no good at all. If it doesn't work at home, you shouldn't export it. And what, what God wants to do is He wants to release something in our homes more than ever before. And I, I believe that God is actually using this as an opportunity to bring us into a place where we turn our homes into a sanctuary. I think maybe it's going to be a good thing that you're going to have to actually engage God, not just on Sunday morning in a church building, but you're going to have to engage God in the privacy of your home, with your children, with your spouse, and begin to pray together. And God, I believe, is going to invade our homes. And here's, here's what I believe God is saying for, for spiritual leaders in the home, for fathers, for mothers, for people, people that have been afraid to step into that position of leadership. They've been hesitant to step into that position of leadership. I believe God is releasing a special grace to allow you to step into that place where you start to pray with your children. You start to read scripture with your family. You start to talk to your family members about Jesus at dinner. Y'all start praying together. You get scripture together. You speak those things over your home. God wants to get in your home, invade your home and start to move. And I believe he wants this to become a time where your house becomes the dwelling place of God. Angels going to be released in your living room. I believe that with all my heart and soul. Even when we were worshiping earlier, of course, I was worshiping out here in the seats, walking around and praying and, and just and, and, and I, I sensed the presence of God. But while I was doing that, I started to, to just uh, imagine in my mind you in your living room, turning on worship, reading the scripture in the living room and God's presence just coming in there and flooding you and you having encounters with God where you're at in your living room. I believe that he wants to do that. 
And he wants to bring that into our lives at this moment. You know, we love Psalm 91. We quoted it last week. We quote it all the time. But Psalm 91, the very first verse says this. It's a conditional psalm. It talks about divine protection, but it's conditional because it opens up with verse 1 who says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And see, this is a time where we as a people of God have got to learn to begin to dwell in the secret place with God. Because it's not until you dwell, into the secret, dwell in the secret place with God that you actually begin to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. It's not good enough that I just quote the psalm. I have to begin to develop a lifestyle in the secret place with God where I dwell there with Him, where I've got intimacy and communion with God in my home. And ultimately what ends up happening in our churches, in our ministry, is a direct result of what's happening in the secret place with God. And that's where we have to be. That's where we have to move into in these times. Now, I want to tell you a story, a scriptural story. We're going to move to 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, many of you all are familiar with, with the story of Elijah. There's a lot to be said about Elijah. But he lived in dark times. He lived in a time that was, that was dark like ours. And there were even times of, of famine. There were times of sickness during that time. But there was a, there was a nation that was called to worship God that they were turned because King Ahab and his wife Jezebel had took over in Israel and they were leading people to worship a false god named Baal. And during that time there was persecution to the people of God. They were killing the prophets and it was a very dark time in that. And out of nowhere during this time of darkness, during this time of people turning from the true worship of God to idols, Elijah shows up on the scene. And here's what it says in 1 Kings 17 verse 1 through 3. It says, Elijah the Tishbite, of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, out of nowhere he shows up, and he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith which flows into the Jordan. Now notice it says the word of the Lord came to him in the Hebrew language. The word there is a word devar, and it means that he had an experience with God. When the word of the Lord come, came to an Old Testament prophet, it came because they were seeking God. They were in communion with God. And they didn't just hear a word or they didn't just open the scripture, but they had an encounter and an experience where the voice of God from within began to deal with their hearts. And the first voice that came to him, the word of the Lord that came to him was actually instruction to take a step. But I want to talk to you about what that instruction is because there's a process to renewal and there's a process in which God is setting you up in times of darkness. He's preparing you to to be able to minister and be effective as you possibly can in times of darkness. And the instruction was, hey, Elijah, go and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Now, we're in a, we're in a season where like, they're telling people, go to the house and, and, and stay home. And, and that, that, that may even intensify as we move forward. I don't know. But the scripture says this in Colossians 3. It says, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. 
See, now, more than ever, we, we honestly as a church should embrace this opportunity that, that, that things have been shut down, that things have been caught off because we run such rampant lives in, in, a, in a constant rush. One of, the, one of the greatest things that people tell me is I just don't have time. We just don't have time. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for that. Well, guess what? Now you might have a little bit of time. And the Lord is saying, you need to understand that your life is not your job. Your life is not your career. Your life is not your money. Your life is not even your family. All of those things are good and they're, they're aspects of what we're doing here on this earth. But your life is hidden with God in Christ. And I think a lot of people are going to realize when they finally see Jesus face to face is that they never had a life because all of those things that we set our minds on on this earth are going to be gone and away with. And the only thing that is truly going to matter is the life that we had hidden with God in Christ. And, and, and see, here's the thing. Jesus does not owe us the perfect life. He doesn't owe us more money. He doesn't owe us a better job. He doesn't owe us perfect protection throughout this world and for us to get everything that we want. He doesn't owe us any of those things. He doesn't owe us the perfect life because he is the perfect life. If you lose money, it's not the end of the world. If you lose uh, different things, it is not the end of the world. We have a hope that goes beyond this earth. And what the scripture says is that if you are now uh, risen with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. And right now, I'm telling you more than ever with what's going on in social media, it's like a pull that is pulling our minds to focus on things on the earth. And we think, oh my gosh, the earth is shaking. Everything is rattling. Everything is going down. And Jesus is saying, you need to get your mind off of this earth. You need to set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And you need to understand that your life is hidden in him and you need to get into that hidden place with God. You need to get into that secret place with God. He's going to start to show you who you truly are. And then he says this. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we shall appear with him also in glory. And so we, right now we need to learn how to develop this hidden secret life with God. Because everything God has called us to cannot be accomplished without developing that secret hidden life with God. And we have to learn how to do that. So second point. The second point is that God during this season, God wants to cut away excess to prepare us for his purposes. He wants to cut away excess things to prepare us for his purposes. Now, when, when, when Elijah was told by God, he said, go down to the brook Cherith, right? And the brook Cherith, the word Cherith in the Hebrew language literally means to cut away or to cut off. And that's the place that God was sending Elijah. He was sending him to a place where things were going to be cut off from his life. And right now, listen, this virus is doing some of that for us. They've cut off March Madness. They've cut off the NBA season. And listen, I, like, like you, I was upset about that. I, we, we like those things. We love those things. But I would say in America, we actually love those things to a fault. They become such a source of our joy that we forget that we've got God as a source of our joy. And, and, and these things have been cut off so that finally we can actually actually focus on what actually matters in our lives. And these things, it, it's a good thing that oftentimes some of these things are cut off in our lives. And here's, here's the beauty of it. If we're not willing to intentionally cut certain things off in our life for a season to seek God, it's his mercy when he cuts it off for us. Because if our focus is not on him, then he, he, by any means necessary, that's what I, my prayer would even be, Lord, whatever you have to do, to keep me awakened to your presence, to keep me awakened to your life, to keep me awakened to your will. If you have to remove things from my life, if you have to cut things off, then cut those things off so that my focus is turned to you and I remember what matters in this life and that my folk focus is completely on you. See, you need to allow this time to become a time 
where you allow God to cut these things off in your life. With, right now, people are crazy over, over media, over TV, watching the news. And I know everybody's getting Bashir updates and the memes are going crazy about Bashir and he's sneaking up on a coronavirus and doing all kinds of funny things. I mean, like, like there's a lot of stuff lying out there, but you can become so consumed. We want, we want to be informed, but do not be obsessed. Do not be consumed. Intentionally cut it off. Take the time that you have as a blessing because, I, listen, this thing's going to line itself out. God's going God's to come through on this and things are going to happen. But we don't want to have gone through this just totally focused on earthly things, totally focused on the wrong things and not allowing God to do in our hearts what he needed to do during this time. We don't want to, to miss what he's actually trying to do in our hearts. If we bypass the development of the inner life in God, we'll never produce the fruit to reach the world. And this is kind of funny because I was writing this sermon, uh, I think just yesterday maybe, and, 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 and as I was writing that line about how God will prune us, as I was thinking about this, my friend sends me a picture and, and he's, got a, he's got a set of hedge trimmers and, all, and he's out there trimming the hedges and he noticed that on the hedge trimmers it actually says Corona on the hedge trimmers. And he sent it to me and he said, what do you think this means? And it was funny because when I looked at it immediately, I was studying about this. And it was almost as if the Lord spoke to my heart and said, listen, I didn't send the coronavirus, but if you will allow it as the people of God, I will use it to prune you during this season. And I really believe that sometimes when these difficult challenges happen, this is what God is doing. It's not that he sent this, but it is that he is going to use it to prune us so that we will actually bear more fruit. I believe that if we go through this season as, as a church as we ought to, we're actually going to come out on the other side with more fruit, with more power, with more love, with a greater encounter with God than we have ever experienced. And we're going to see a harvest of souls at the end of this thing. I believe God's bringing us through a pruning season during this time. And here's what you need to understand also during this time is that isolation is a bad thing, but solitude is good. I might need to say that again. Isolation is a bad thing, but solitude is good. In other words, we don't want to, as a people of God, ever isolate ourselves from one another. And during this time, we need to FaceTime one another. We need to call one another and pray for one another and encourage one another. But see, scripturally and biblically, throughout the scriptures, you see people that were, that were uh, committed to God and developing a spiritual life. They were committed to a life of solitude. Now, the difference between solitude and isolation are, are different. When I isolate myself, it's because I'm trying to get away from people and, and it's just to stay away from them. Solitude is that I'm trying to get away from people so that I can connect to God alone. That way, when I come back, Back around people, I have a word from God. I have a strength from God. I have wisdom from God. I have the presence of God. And my relationships are healthy because I've been with God. That's what solitude does. Solitude brings us into that place where we receive a life source from God and we're transformed and we receive inner fulfillment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this. He said, let him who cannot be alone beware of community. And let him who is not in the community Beware of being alone. Jesus' ministry, his disciples' ministry, Elijah, Old Testament guys, their, their ministries were filled with seasons where they would just depart, go into the mountains and enter into a time of solitude. In other words, I'm saying 
This is an opportunity for you in the busyness of your life to say, you know what, I've got some time now to spend with God, to set some intentional time apart, to let God speak to me and deal with my heart. But see, Cherith, that place of cutting off, when you get alone with God, man, he's going to start to deal with issues. He's going to start to cut things off. But that place of, of cutting away and cutting off, that brook Cherith, it seems like the most unproductive place. Because we're tuned to doing stuff and getting things done and, and producing stuff. And sometimes prayer and reading the scripture and being silent for an extended period of time seems like it's totally unproductive. But I believe it's the most productive things in, thing in our lives. And God is calling us to understand that in that place of cutting away is where you're going to begin to encounter him in a way that you never have before. And he says this, this brook Cherith, if you read in the scripture what we just read, he said it flows into the Jordan. Now Jordan is the place where Joshua... He passed over it with the children of Israel. And when he passed over it, he did it supernaturally. And after they crossed the Jordan, they began to supernaturally defeat their enemies to enter into the promises of God, the promised land. The Jordan represents entering into those promises, crossing into the promises of God. Also, Jesus was baptized in the Jordan. And when he was baptized in the Jordan River, he, he came out of the water and the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. And when it descended, there was a voice from heaven, the voice of the Father that said, This is my beloved Son in who I am well pleased. And lastly, Elijah, his mantle fell on Elisha at Jordan. And Elisha, because he was persistent in following Elijah, he took his mantle. He smote the waters of Jordan. He split the waters in two. And from that point on, he entered into a double portion of anointing. And, and he did double the miracles that his, his predecessor Elijah did. What am I saying? I'm saying when you are willing to go to that brook Cherith and allow God to start to cut things away and hide yourself in the secret place with God and seek his face, it flows into the Jordan. It flows into a place of new identity. It flows into a place of vision. It flows into a place of hearing the Father's voice. It flows into a place of you entering into supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit to fulfill your ministry. And when you get along with God and you start to connect with God, he starts cutting stuff off. He's going to launch you into a place where he's setting you up for one of the greatest victories of your life. That's what he was doing for Elijah. That's what he was doing with Jesus. That's what he was doing with Joshua and Elisha. And it flows into that place. And we've got to drink from that brook and let it, let it take us into Jordan. The third point is that during this time, God wants us to understand that he is our provision in challenging times. In 1 Kings 17, 4, Elijah was down by the brook Cherith and, and probably when he, when he was having to go to this place, nobody likes to hear, hey, y'all need to stay home. You need to not get out. You need to stay home. And he was sending him with instruction to go to this place. And in 1 Kings 17, 4, he says, and it will be, Elijah, that you shall drink from the brook. And notice what he says. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, why would he say that to Elijah? Because Elijah knew if he goes to this place, it's a desert place. There's nothing there. There's no resources. There's no sustenance. There's nothing to eat. There's no people. It's not going to be a good time. He's going to lose his livelihood. He's going to lose the things that are there. But here's what God says. God says, Elijah, you don't have to worry about that because the place that I'm sending you is for your ultimate betterment. It's for me to shape you, for me to change you, for me to prepare you to shine as a light in this dark time, in this dark world. But you've got to allow it to happen. And he says, don't worry about resources. Don't worry about the fact that it looks like there's nothing there because if I have to, I will even command the ravens to feed you there. And I think a lot of people need to hear that during this time because so many people, even, even the people that I was talking to earlier, they're thinking, where's my next paycheck going to come from? This is hard times for business. Listen, you've never had to actually rely upon God. 
We live in a world in, in America where things are so easy where we have never actually had to rely upon God. We have relied upon our economic systems, upon our educational systems, upon science. And listen, even, in, even science is a good thing. We want to listen to that. But at the end of the day, it does not save you and it does not have all the answers. Everything needs to be stripped away from you so that you can come to a place and say, God, if you have to, there's going to, you got to do something supernatural here, God. You have got to provide for me in a way that I have no idea how you're going to do it. You know, I mean, if you tell a guy, if you say, look, you're going to go somewhere. How? And he said, well, how are we going to eat? The last thing he's going to say is some ravens are going, ravens are going to bring me bread. And what, my point being is, is that the way that God is going to provide for you in this season, I guarantee you, if you would trust him, it will be beyond anything you can imagine. Because He wants you to grow your faith. And your faith cannot grow until you're put into a predicament where you don't know where your bread's coming from. You don't know where your stuff's coming from. It's only then that your faith is tested to the degree that you can actually now believe God for a miracle in your life. Many of us, we've never even had to believe for a miracle. We get sick, we go to the doctor. We get in financial trouble, we get a new job. we got a good economy here in America. We've not had to deal with difficulty. Well, even what we're dealing with now in comparison, like I said last week, to history is a small thing. This is a small thing. We're going to get through it. But we need to be awakened to what God is doing in our lives and allow him to stretch us during this time because he is going to provide for his people. His word said, Psalm 37, 25. I love what David said. He said, I was young and now I'm old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. It ain't going to happen. Matthew 6, Jesus says, listen, don't, don't go around worrying, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? He says, the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them. He knows you need them. He says, but don't worry about it. Instead, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and every need that you have will be added unto you. He's saying you got to get your focus on seeking first the kingdom of God. Quit seeking clothes. Quit seeking money. Quit seeking finances. Quit seeking what you're going to eat. Everybody going crazy. going to live. I understand we went to Walmart and got some food just in case everything shuts down. I'm not saying don't be wise and don't exercise wisdom. But at the end of the day, don't worry about these things. God is going to provide and he wants to teach you during dark times that he is your provision. The scripture says, Philippians 4:19, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So let me tell you this. During this season, God is going to give you exactly what you need. He may not give you what you want, you know, and he may not give it to you the way you want it. It may be difficult. You may get upset and blame people and say, well, they should have done this or they should have done that out of your anxiety and your fear of how things are going to be controlled and this and that. But whatever happens, trust me, God is sovereign over this situation and, and it's an opportunity when it looks bad for you to say, yes, God, you get to be my provision in this situation. And you might as well rejoice in that because when God is your only provision, you're in a good position. Number four, God wants us to partner with him in passionate prayer. See, the scripture says about, about Elijah in James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Now is the time more than ever, like I said at the beginning, for the church to enter into deep prayer and intercession. 
Because I believe that God wants to release at the end of this season that we're going through an outpouring of His Spirit to change lives. I believe that many hearts are going to be turned to Him. And I think we should pray into that as a church. And, and I believe that at the end of this, God is going to, to cause the church to bear, bear more fruit than, he, than the church has ever produced. But I also believe that it's contingent upon our prayers. I think that he's calling us into a place where, like Elijah, Elijah had to make prayers. Now, if you notice this, it's so interesting because it says that it talks about how that Elijah was a man just like you and I. He's just a human being, but yet he prayed and the heavens were shut for three and a half years. And he prayed again and the heavens were opened and it began to rain. But notice two types of prayer because in 17.1, what we just read in 1 Kings, he actually says, he just makes a declaration. He makes a statement. He doesn't say, Lord, would you shut the heavens? No, he comes and says, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. And what I need you to understand is that declarations in prayer are powerful. You were made in the image of God and there's life and death in the power of your tongue. And sometimes when you're in prayer, in order to combat fear, in order to combat anxiety, you need to understand that God has called you to participate with His Word and declare His Word. That's why when we go home, we, we get Psalm 91 out, we quote Psalm 91 into the atmosphere. We do that sometimes in the church. We declare it over our lives. And you need to be digging in the promises of God. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28 to the blessings. Go to Psalm 91. Go to what I just quoted you about provision vision and begin to declare God's word over your life. See, he declared that. He said, there's going to be no rain nor dew except at my word. Now, what was he doing? He was actually going based upon the old covenant word of God that said, look, if you worship idols, I'll shut the heavens. He knew it was God's word. The only thing that he was doing was coming into that situation and declaring God's word. But guess what? We're not in the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. And that means that we get to release the blessing of God over our lives and over people's lives because Jesus became a curse for us so that we could receive all of the blessings that, 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 that would come in Scripture. And so we get to go in there and we get to declare those things over our lives. But see, there's a second type of prayer that Elijah reveals. Now, he just made a declaration and shut the heavens. And that was the curse. But when he began to pray for the blessing, it took a more difficult time. And here's what I've noticed. Do you, know, do you, you ever notice how we actually believe that the, the curse will come much easier than the blessing? Yeah, you ever recognize that? We, we believe that as people. We, man, we can pray for the curse and we, instant, no problem. He just said, you know what? No rain. And it shut up. And he didn't even have to pray twice about it. But when the blessing was returning... It says that he went on a mountain. He had just won a great battle. He had defeated all of the prophets of Baal. He had won a great victory over Ahab, over, over the prophets of Baal, over Jezebel. And he comes off the mountain and now all of the people are crying out, Yahweh, he's the one true God. They've repented. And so he starts to pray for rain because he sees these people repenting. And he puts his head between his knees, it says in the Scripture. And you, you can read this in... Uh, in chapter 18, verse 41 through 44, but it says he puts his head between his knees and he begins to passionately pray to God for this rain to come. And he looks to his servant. He says, go and look and see if you see anything. And he looks, he says, nothing. I don't see anything. And seven times he's praying in passionate intercession. He puts his head between his knees. He kneels down and he begins to pray out and cry out to God for this rain to come. And on the seventh time, because he continued to persist, he sends his servant and his servant says, yeah, I see something, Elijah. It looks like the rain is coming. He said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And he said he looked out and he saw a cloud about the size of a man's fist. 
just a small little cloud in the distance. And here's what I'm saying right now is that right now it looks like there ain't no rain coming. There's no goodness coming. There's no blessing coming. It looks like we're only the curse. But see, even when you don't see the blessing, you begin to pray and intercede because you hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And I believe right now if the church would open its ears, it would begin to hear that in the midst of this dark time, there is a sound of an abundance of rain that is coming. And if we will pray and continue to intercede and to pray for the people, then God is going to break through and the rains of revival, the rains of awakening are going to come. God is going to pour out His Spirit on His people and we're going to see lives transformed and people saved. And that's what God is calling us to do. He's saying, I want you to partner with me in passionate prayer during this season. That's what we got to do as a church. We got to partner with God. And here's the last thing. The last thing is during this season, it's very simple. God wants to speak to you. And a lot of times when we talk about God speaking to people, some people get caught up with that and they don't, you know, some people are like, I don't know about that. I don't know about God speaking to you. But listen, God wants to speak to your heart. Obviously, he speaks to us through his word, through scripture. He speaks to us through a sermon and even through a sermon or scripture. That's that's the primary way that he's going to he's going to deal with our hearts. But he wants you to get in the scripture. He wants you to spend a long time with him. He wants to deal with you about the issues of your life. He wants to deal with you about your future. He wants to speak with you specifically. Now, Elijah, see, he, ran, he, he won this great victory. The rain is coming, but yet still he's still in a dark time because Jezebel says, look, I'm going to kill you. That's all there is to it. And when he hears this, he gets so depressed, it says he goes into a day's journey into the wilderness. He's depressed. He's disillusioned about what's going on. It seems nobody is turning to God. And it says he sat under a juniper tree and he said, Lord, this is enough. And he prayed that he might die. And here's, this is another thing that's going on is during this time, people are disheartened. They're disillusioned. They're depressed. And the church has got to reach out to these people to give them hope. It's just like, just like the people I've been, I've been speaking with. They, they, they sense that there's no hope in this world. And I'm telling you, there isn't. There's only hope in Jesus. And we have to be willing as the people of God. I believe right now, see, because we're having to get outside of these walls, people are entering into ministries that they never realized they had. They're ministering to their neighbors. They're calling people on the phone. They're talking to people. And they're ministering hope in a season of darkness. And they're praying for people. He prayed that he might die. And God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here in this situation? And notice what it says in 1 Kings 19. 11 through 13 says, then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave and suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Notice this. It says that a still small voice came to him. I love this passage of Scripture. It says the Lord, the wind came and broke the rocks, but the Lord was not in the wind. An earthquake came and, and, and shook the earth, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then the fire came, but the Lord was not in the fire. And I'm telling you right now, what if, what if the Lord is not even in all of this chaos and pandemonium that we see? What if this is a work that has come from the enemy to distract you, to get your focus off? Now, again, like I said, we don't know. God is still using this. He can use it for his purposes. But I'm telling you right now, 
God is going to come to you not through social media, not through all this stuff that's going on, not through all this craze. He's not in those things near as much as He wants to meet you in the secret place. And He's going to come to you in the still, small voice. In the Hebrew language, it's literally a delicate, whispering voice. And we talk about hearing from the Lord a lot here at church. But, but in order to hear a whispering voice, the only way you're going to be able to hear it is if you put your ear right up to the mouth. It's intimate. When somebody whispers to you, you can't stand out of the corner. And I, you know, if I'm outside and I got, let's just imagine I got my blower going and my wife's over here whispering to me, huh, yeah, you can't, you can't hear anything. And the reason you can't hear anything is because you got so much activity going on. You have so much noise going on in your life that you cannot hear the voice of the Lord. And the Lord is tuned in to a totally different frequency to what you're tuned into. You're listening to the news. You're listening to everything. You got this going on. You got that going on. And God is saying, I'm not in any of those frequencies right now. You need to get to a place of intimacy where you are still, you're quiet, you're silent, and you put your ear close to my mouth and you hear that delicate whispering voice. See, you've got to be intimate with God and you've got to be silent in order to hear a whispering voice. And some people that's intimidating for because they don't want that kind of intimacy with the Lord. John was the one who heard Jesus' plans and John was the one who figured out a lot of things at the Lord's Supper with him. Because why? Because John was leaning on the bosom of Jesus. Some people may think that's strange, but see, he got to hear secrets that the Lord gave him because he was leaning close to his heart. And during this time, more than anything, God wants to bring you into a season where you get close to his heart. You listen for his voice. You practice stillness before the Lord and you lean into him and you come into a place of rest. You know, we don't practice Sabbath the way that they did in the Old Testament anymore. We believe that Jesus is our Sabbath, but the principle still remains. On the seventh day, the Lord rested. And, and folks, we do not even know what rest looks like. And during this time, what I would encourage you to do is legitimately rest. Turn your phone off. Turn the TV off. Go into a secret place with the Lord. Spend some time with God and let Him speak to you. The Lord wants to speak to you. And He wants to share with you things about yourself, things about how He loves you, things about how He cares for you. And I believe that God's going to bring us through this situation. I believe we're going to come out of this situation stronger than we ever have before. And we're going to come out as a church having heard from God, having been with God, and having a new sense of power and, and love in our hearts for God. And, and I believe that that's what He wants you to do. He wants you to let it, let, allow... First, He wants to invade your home. He wants to cut some things off of your life. He wants to bring you into a place where you pray like never before. He wants to be your provision. And He wants to speak to you. So right there where you're at in your home, I just, I just want to close and, and just pray for us right quick. But I believe God is going to begin to, to deal with your heart if you'll allow Him. And so Lord, we just pray right now that during this season, God, we believe you're going to bring us through it and we pray for our nation, that, that God, we would turn our hearts to you like never before. But Lord, for each person that's listening, I pray that you would just draw them into that secret place, draw them into that place of cutting away. And Lord, let, help us to just embrace it. Embrace this situation, this time that we're in. Because God, you're going to provide for us during this time. Lord, you're going to teach us how to pray in spirit-led prayer. And God, we're going to see transformation. We're going to see breakthrough during this time. We're going to see lives change. We're going to see many souls come to the Lord. And God, we're just we're grateful for what you're doing in our hearts. And we want to submit to what you want to do in our hearts. 
And Lord, we trust your guidance. We trust your leadership. We trust what you're doing. And we surrender that to you now. And Lord, I just pray for each home that's represented that's listening right now this morning that you would just invade that home with your presence and you would bring them peace. And Holy Spirit, you would bless them. And it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Listen, guys, thanks for worshiping with us this morning. We hope you enjoyed it. And, and just stay updated with us. Check our Facebook page out as we move forward during the weeks. We'll give you some updates and some announcements. But God bless you. We love you so much. And we can't wait to see you again.